Thank you, band. It's good to see students and leaders up here. Hello, everyone. Welcome to EV Free. Oh, Hope wow. you realize we got uh, a staff member, volunteer leaders, and students up here. Like Joel said, you might have seen students and leaders around campus. That's because today is Youth Sunday, Woo. which means we're running the show. Yeah. Get ready. So here's our goal for Youth Sunday. It's twofold. One, we want to continue our series in Jonah. We've been going through Jonah for the last two weeks, got through chapter one and two, and today we're hitting on chapter three. Then also, we just want to show you a glimpse of what youth ministry uh, looks like sometimes. So I'm Tim. Uh, I am the underclassman guys lead in high school, and uh, I don't know if you're thinking this. I've been told seven times today now to cut my hair. Uh, So... It was four before the first service, and then I got three more after, but I also got three that said I shouldn't cut my hair, so it's seven to three, so that's the hot debate on campus today. Feel free to weigh in after the service. Yes, afterwards, let them know. Yeah. Uh, My name's Cody. I have the privilege of working with the junior high students. I'm the seventh and eighth grade guy's lead. Uh, I forgot to shave today, but nobody seemed to tell me that. They didn't want to let me know. It hurts a little bit, but that's okay. Um... For some of you who are unfamiliar with what a lead is, let me, let me tell you. Uh, we, uh, we are responsible for shepherding and discipling and ministering to our students here in junior high and high school. We have over 50 volunteers in our student ministries who come and serve as small group leaders, as worship leaders, and support staff. And we have close to 400 students in our ministry. So we are two of a staff of six who get to worship together, minister, and lead our student ministries team. Yeah, so our job is pretty multifaceted, we'd say. We have the ability to pursue leaders, to pursue students. We support our volunteer leaders as they're in the trenches with our students. Uh, We have events on campus here at church, on North Campus. We also are on school campuses a lot, at sports events and clubs and all that. Uh, Another big part of our job, though, is teaching. So me and Cody are two of the few who, who routinely Uh, rotate in our teaching schedule on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. And so our job as those in youth ministry who teach is pretty fun. And it's a little difficult because our job is to faithfully communicate what the Bible says, the truth of what's in Scripture. But we need to make it fun, obviously, interesting to our high school and junior hires, but we don't want to lose any of the integrity or truth that's in the Bible. So Since we don't want to lose any of the truth, we hit on this a lot. We hit on one thing as much as we can, and that's that the Bible is not about you. The Bible is not about you or me or any of us, and it's not about Abraham or Moses or Paul or Peter. It's about, it's not about any of the characters or the stories or the events that happened. It's about God. It's about one true God and his one story. So anything we read in the Bible, any story we read or anything, it's so much more than just what's the moral we can get out of the person or the event that happened. It's what does this show us about the character of God? So even as we're looking at Jonah 3 today, we want to be asking the question, what does this show us about the character of God? Yeah, so we're going to walk through this story and, and, and land on chapter 3. And we're asking the question, what does the story of Jonah reveal to us about God's character? And how does that impact us as his children. 
Um, last week, Eddie talked about this idea of compassion, that compassion is, is filled, the story of Jonah is filled with this idea of compassion, God extending his compassion to people, and Jonah not quite getting it. So the first thing we gotta talk about is who is Jonah? What's the story of Jonah here? Jonah, as some of us know, is a prophet, what's called a prophet. So uh, in high school, junior high, we would say, Jonah is God's megaphone. Jonah is the guy who God chose to speak through. He looked at Jonah and said, hey, I wanna say a message through you. And so right at the beginning of the book, we have a man that's been chosen by God to give a specific message to a specific group of people. Yeah, and the people that he's chosen to give that message to are the Ninevites. And you can tell right off the bat from the beginning of the book that Jonah doesn't really want to do this. And that's because Jonah turns almost the complete opposite direction away from where the Ninevites are. And he flees from God's calling, and he goes down to this place called Tarshish. It's a funny word to say. And he gets on a boat, and that boat's headed in the opposite direction. And while he's on this boat, he's there with a bunch of other sailors, and he's down in the bottom of the boat, and a storm hits this boat. And it's threatening to destroy the boat and everybody on it. And Jonah comes up to the top and he says, hey, the reason why this storm is here is because I'm running away from God. And the reason why your lives are in danger is because of me. So throw me overboard. Throw me overboard. And even already in the story, if we are looking at it through the perspective of what does this say about God, this situation where Jonah's getting thrown overboard already lets us into a very meaningful uh, characteristic of God. Because the, as the first chapter of Jonah describes, is at the end of the first chapter, uh, the crew who's on the boat with Jonah, as a storm is raging around them, they realize, as Jonah says, this is because of me. They realize that Jonah's God is the true God. They recognize Jonah's God as Yahweh. And so even in the midst of Jonah's messy situation, even in the midst of Jonah's disobedience, God is seen. So this story is, is so much more than just about Jonah or the crew members even. It's a story about God pursuing people. It's a story about God seeking people out and making himself known. So after Jonah gets thrown overboard, he gets swallowed by this fish. And in the belly of this fish, he gives this prayer. And last week, Eddie was on breaking down this prayer, how it's kind of a weird mix of kind of repentant or almost sorry about what's happening. He's pulling from different scriptures and giving all the right words, but there's some heart missing. He doesn't quite get it. He's, he's close, but he's still not really that repentant, but he's giving all the right words to say. And that, that leads us to chapter three, verse one. Uh, we're gonna read that first verse. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. So let's pause just first verse. We'll, we'll stay here for a minute. I wanna focus on what it means that the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. So if the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, we take this as a second chance in the book of Jonah. Jonah's been called twice, once in the very first verse of the whole book, and now the first verse of chapter three. And so God is calling Jonah, basically saying, at the beginning of the book, he said, I want you to go to the Ninevites. Hey, Jonah, I'm gonna do something amazing with the Ninevites and I'm choosing you to work through. And he's asking Jonah, are you on board? So Jonah's done this before, and we know what he chose. He chose not to follow God, he disobeyed, and then in chapter three, we see a second chance. God is saying, hey Jonah, I'm still gonna work powerfully with the Ninevites, and I choose you to work through, are you on board? So he's confronted with the same decision that he was in the beginning. And 
Jonah's in this position where he kind of has no choice but to be obedient. He had tried the disobedient path, and he ended up in the belly of a fish. So he's here, and he's like, okay, I can't get away from what you're calling me to, God. So I, I guess I'll be obedient. And let's read in chapter, chapter 3, verse 2. Go to that great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give to you. And Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very important city, and a visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city, and he proclaimed, 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overturned. Uh, the Ninevites believed God, and they declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. And if you continue reading in, in verse 6 through 9, you see the, the, the fullness of the response of the Ninevites. They believe Jonah's message, and when the message reaches the king of Nineveh, he declares that everyone from the highest of nobles to the lowest of animals will participate together to demonstrate their repentance and their turning away from God. And this is the point of the story where I feel like uh, as a little kid, if I was little Timmy sitting in, you know, Sunday school, I would be hearing that Jonah's words changed Nineveh and I would take the lesson, be like Jonah. That's often what we try to take from this. How can we be like the prophet Jonah? But if that's the lesson we take, then we're forgetting the previous two chapters that show Jonah being anything but a role model. With him running away from what God wanted in the beginning and, and even during the storm, he hides at the bottom level of the boat to, to not confront God and in the belly of the fish, he gives this half-hearted prayer and so this, this just seems more like Jonah's dragging his feet more than anything. Yeah, it's like as a child when my mom would ask me to do something, if I resisted in the beginning, she would start to take things away from me until I had no choice but to obey. And I, and I would do it. I would clean the dishes because that's what a good son does. But I wouldn't like it. Yeah, so what if... <laughs> it's true. Uh, so the lesson can't be... The lesson can't be be like Jonah, right? If he's acting more like a moody kid than a great prophet of the Lord during this story, the lesson can't be be like Jonah. Because the book of Jonah is not about Jonah or anything he does. The book of Jonah is about God. What if the fact that Jonah is kicking and screaming this whole time lets us end a what we need to see about the character of God. What if this book is way more than just being like Jonah? What if it's about God pursuing the Ninevites despite Jonah's actions? Even though a great prophet of the Lord is fighting against what God wants, we know that God wants the Ninevites so bad that he's working through it. This book seems to be way more about God's pursuit of the Ninevites than anything else. And God calls Jonah, and that calling enacts a movement. In the first chapter, it was a movement that was God bringing Jonah back to his original purpose. But the original purpose in the beginning was God's movement towards compassion for the people, for the Ninevite people. And what we see throughout the scriptures is the character of God does not change. So the same compassionate God that called Jonah to the Ninevites is the same God who called Moses and Isaiah and the other prophets. He's the same God that called the disciples and the early church fathers. And he's the same God that calls men and women today and 12 to 18-year-old students in our ministry. He's the same God that calls us towards his ultimate purpose of compassion. So Jonah was chosen by God to be the one he would work through to get to the Ninevites. And we see this playing out in our students today. We see this playing out how, how God would say to Jonah, 
hey, Jonah, I'm going to do something amazing with the Ninevites, and I choose you to work through, are you on board? We see God saying to our students in high school and junior high, hey, students, I'm doing something amazing in Fullerton and Brea and La Habra and all of Orange County, and I choose you to work through, are you on board? And we see our students saying yes. We see our students responding unlike Jonah and responding in obedience. And so we wanted to show you a picture and an example of this happening. And so I'm inviting up Allie Mayer and Kelsey Crow to share Allie's story. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, I'm, I'm Kelsey, and I am the upperclassmen girls lead in the high school ministry here. And um, as leads in the junior high and high school ministries, we have the opportunity to lead different trips every summer. And this past summer, I led a trip called Stateside, and Allie is one of the students on my team. So, Allie, why don't you tell us a little bit more about Stateside and your role on the trip? Um, Stateside is a leadership team that our church takes on a trip to... Utah or some other church every summer and this past year we happened to go to Utah to run a VBS for um, a sister EV free church up there and that church doesn't necessarily have the resources to run a VBS on their own. Um, On the team I helped come up with hand motions for the kids to dance to during worship and I also told a Bible story one of the days to my group of third and fourth graders who were really crazy. Um, (laughs) This trip was definitely challenging. We had to prepare for every component of VBS, and once we prepared, we loaded up a big trailer with all the stuff we were taking up there and drove up to Utah. But it was really rewarding to see the VBS complete and the kids singing and dancing and praising Jesus all week. And I work in kids' church every week, so it was really fun to do the same thing up in Utah. Yeah, I can vouch for that. They worked very hard on this, um, on this team and on this trip. They did every component of VBS, and it was awesome to watch. Uh, tell us what exactly God did in your heart while you were on the trip. On the trip, God really opened my eyes to the Mormon community, and he gave me a heart to serve them. The area where we held the VBS was 90% Mormon, and I really felt the weight of the fact that all of those people don't truly know who Jesus is, and it made me really sad to know that they don't know complete salvation and grace through Jesus. A lot of the kids, I could tell at the VBS, grew up in a Mormon household, but I saw God working through them and through the church that we partnered with for the VBS, and I want to do the same thing, and this passion that I have for the Mormon community will influence me throughout my life. Tell us about just that. Tell us about um, how this passion for the Mormon community changes the way that you live here and now. Um, This passion and calling has um, influenced some decisions I made in my life, and one of those decisions was to return to stateside this summer instead of applying for the senior missions trip to the Czech Republic. And I had been planning on going on this missions trip since um, freshman year when I first heard about it, and uh, I was super excited. But then these past few months since stateside, God has really been working on my heart and calling me back to Utah to reach out to the Mormon people there to and to grow my heart for them. It was a really hard decision because a lot of my peers are going on the Czech trip, but 
these trips aren't about us. Like Tim said earlier, the Bible's not about us. It's about God and the invitation we have to take part in what God's doing throughout the world. And my calling isn't just around the world. It's pretty local. Um, My best friend is actually a part of the Mormon church. Um, Through having some really deep conversations with her, my eyes have been opened to how lost the Mormon community is in the spiritual sense. But these talks have encouraged me to study the Bible more, to um, know more about who Jesus really is, and how to best minister to my friend and the rest of the Mormon community. Um, I've experienced this amazing grace through Jesus, and I want my friend to experience the same thing. And my prayer is that God will continue to use me to show my friend and the Mormon community the true meaning of grace. Yeah, it has been such a joy getting to walk alongside you and getting to see this passion grow inside of you. So thanks for sharing with us. Um, what Allie, oh, yeah, great, great hand applause. <laughs> Yeah, what Ali has shared with us is just a glimpse of what God is doing in the hearts and the lives of the students here at EV Free, and so we're thankful to share with you this morning. Thank you. I, every, I heard that earlier this morning, and I, every time I hear it, I'm just amazed. That's, that's such a, a big thing to feel as a junior in high school, to feel called and actually want to live out your calling, which is actually really awesome. Uh, in the same way that Allie is called to a specific group of people, we see this kind of, her story mirroring the story of Jonah. Jonah was called to minister to a certain group of people, and these people were not just any people. They were the Ninevites. Understanding who the Ninevites are will paint the picture a little bit clearer as to why it was so strange for God to call Jonah to the Ninevites. And the one thing we know about the Ninevites so far, just from the book of Jonah, is that they were frightening enough for Jonah to run away in the beginning, right? So that's one thing. But historically, we know that the Ninevites were famously violent people. The Ninevites were part of the kingdom of Assyria. And if you know anything about Assyria, always the first thing you learn is that they celebrated how violent they were. They were brutal, uh, just dark and very evil, not in just a in a winning a war type of sense. They would do what needs to get done to win the war, but it was over the top. It was this just overemphasized, exaggerated sense of violence that they had, and they were proud of it. So that's one thing. They were extremely violent people, and another, they were the most prominent, close threat to Jonah and his people. So it was a personal matter for Jonah. They weren't just a distant, violent group, but they were threatening Jonah's land and his family and him. So to help kind of grasp how, make this picture a little bit clearer. I wanted to read from you uh, a quote from a book called, and this might give away what this will be, The Grizzly Assyrian Record of Torture and Death. So, (laughs) if there are any children, earmuffs maybe, I don't know. Uh, You've been warned. Uh, This is from the account of a king, and he's recounting what he's done to his enemies after his victory. He said, I flayed the skin from as many nobles as as had rebelled against me, and I draped their skins over the pile of corpses. I cut off the heads of their fighters, and I built a tower above their city. I burnt their adolescent boys and girls. This is not your PG-13 movie. This is grotesque. Cuts off their extremities, gouges out the eyes of the troops, and he makes piles of the bodies. These are people who would not have been considered worthy of God's compassion by any means. 
So, uh, point taken, right? Uh, the, the fact that there is a book called The Grizzly Assyrian Records of Torture and Death kind of is a hint that they weren't the nicest of guys. I think uh, I would mention the, the Veggie Tales episode where the Ninevites were the string beans who slapped each other with fish. But you guys are a bit older crowd than what I'm used to speaking to, so I guess I won't mention it. Uh, you probably don't appreciate VeggieTales the same way that us high school and junior hires do. Uh, but even that's a pretty tame picture of these guys. They, they were more than just slap each other with fish. It was, it was gruesome, as the quote we just read. They were over-the-top violent. So they were, they were evil people, famously violent. It was personal for Jonah. And they were more than just violent. They were cocky. And they're talked about in other areas of Scripture especially in 2 Kings, the Ninevites and Assyrians are talked about, and a Ninevite king is quoted as saying, who is your God, Israel, that you rebel against me? His point is just disregarding and completely disrespecting Israelites' God, saying no God compares to him. And so if you can kind of see it from Jonah's perspective, how weird would it be for him to be called to the Ninevites by God? Not just the scary people, not just the closest threat to him, but the people who Jonah thinks deserve to pay, who should be wiped off the face of the earth. God is telling Jonah to warn these evil people of the destruction that Jonah thinks they deserve. And the, the scandal of the story of Jonah, the, the, great, the great part of this is that God actually relents from the disaster that he promises them. In verse 10, it says, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. And if you, you tie that together with chapter one, we see that God's intention all along was to extend compassion toward a people who were undeserving of it or would have been considered unworthy of this. The fact that he called Jonah in the beginning to proclaim a message against Ninevite and even give them the chance to repent means that God wanted to extend this compassion toward a people who probably didn't deserve it. And again, this would be the point of the story. If I'm little Timmy listening to this, I would try to take the lesson of be like Nineveh. Repent like Nineveh. Realize your sin and turn to God like Nineveh did. Uh, but the story isn't about Nineveh. And the story isn't about Jonah. It's about God. So even beyond be like Nineveh, what do we see God doing in this story? It's interesting that in chapter three, the story reaches its climax it culminates. There are so many other things going on in the story of Jonah. When we hear Jonah, we usually think, oh, he got swallowed by a whale. You know, like that's, the, that's the main part we think of. But that's not even the main part of the story. The climax of this story is in chapter 3, when God finally reaches the people he's been trying to reach. It culminates when God gets to the Ninevites who he ordered Jonah to go to in the first verse of this book. The story is so much more than a book about Jonah doing the right or wrong thing or the Ninevites doing the right or wrong thing. It's about a God who pursues people, a God who relentlessly, a God who relentlessly pursues a people who seem unlovable, a violent people. And so God's character shines through this story as a God who desires so badly to pour out compassion on a people who no one else wants to. This is a God who pours out compassion on violent people. And this is the same God who does the same thing today. See, this is, this is our story. 
As people who believe in the gospel, the good news of Jesus, this is our story, that we are a people who are undeserving of God's love and mercy, yet God extended it towards us. And, and as people who have received this compassion, our mission as a church should be to extend the same compassion, which is hard because I, I know personally, in, in the back of my mind, I, I still feel like there's people that maybe God can't have compassion on. Maybe, maybe they've done enough or maybe they've done such evil that, you know, God can't show them mercy. And that affects how I live, how I treat other people. But if God can show mercy and extend compassion to the Ninevites, who can he not show compassion to? And as youth leaders, this is something we try to pass on to our students. It plays into what we plan and how we lead our students. We, we lead trips in the summer and throughout the year, which we try to teach and confront our students with this idea that God's compassion is for the unlovable, the unworthy, the, those who aren't valued. For junior high specifically, we run a camp with our special needs ministry called Rainbow Express, which if you haven't heard of, please go look it up. It's incredible. It's a special needs day camp where children with special needs can meet their peers and they can learn about God together. And through that process, they see value in each other. They love a people who, for most of the world, probably doesn't see value in. Maybe you might see them as a burden. We say, no, God sees value, so we see value. Junior high has trips and events that they do in order to get this across. High school has trips to serve the homeless and serving Utah, like you heard from Ali. We have overseas trips, and we have local events and activities all in between. But we don't just want to brag about it. That's not our point of saying this. We're not just bragging about youth ministry or educating you about what we're doing, it's so much more than that. We want to encourage you. We want to encourage you guys as EV free that the same character of God we see in Jonah, we see that same character of God in the stories of our students. Just how Jonah was chosen to be the one that God would work through to reach an unlovable people like the Ninevites. God chooses our students to work through them and reach the seemingly unlovable people today. God's character shines through as the one who says in Jonah, hey Jonah, I'm doing something amazing with the Ninevites. I'm choosing you to work through. Are you on board? We see God saying to our students, hey students, I'm doing something amazing in your area and I choose you. Will you be on board? And we see our students saying yes and answering that call in obedience, unlike Jonah. And the encouragement would be for all of us to hear that call and join in with the youth and with everyone in this community to say, let's be compassionate, let's extend love. And the beautiful thing about what happens when we do this is that when we minister to the people who might be seen as unworthy or unlovable is we begin to change. We begin to see them as God sees them. And we begin to see worth in other people. Uh, we're going to end our time talking with a video of some of our students who served this summer at Rainbow Express, and now they've been changed. God has stirred in them and called them to serve regularly, to develop friendships with them, and to see value in people who the world does not often see value in. So we'll watch this video, and then Scott will get up, and he'll commission our teams that are going overseas. Hi, I'm Ethan Harrison, and I'm an eighth grader at uh, junior high. Hi, I'm Hannah Rode, and I'm an eighth grader. Uh, in the special needs ministry, I work with uh, my buddy, Zachary, 
and we're going through our day by uh, playing Lego Star Wars every day, which is awesome. Uh, going to children's church downstairs, uh, just learning about the Lord together and starting a friendship. I, on most Sundays uh, in special needs ministry, I tell stories and help with crafts, but I just started working with a buddy named Genesis. My favorite part of serving in special needs ministry would probably be just that you're not there to um, to be just a buddy. It's you're there hanging out with a friend and all the while learning about the Lord. My favorite part of the special needs ministry is probably watching the kids' love of God grow every week as we tell them more and more about Him. What's challenging is that uh, so you gotta you gotta have a mindset that. Uh, every day isn't going to go perfectly, but uh, it's sometimes you just have to get through those times to uh, just continue having a friendship with them. What's challenging about the special needs ministry for me is usually staying patient because it's difficult sometimes because the little ones are sort of wild at times. Uh, God's taught me really to be uh, serving to others. Uh, God's really taught me how to... Um, just have to love these kids because at times people don't really give them as much love as they deserve. Really, they're, we're the same people and that they shouldn't be treated any differently. If you put down your discomfort and nerves, then you can really see the best in them and they're really sweet and kind people. It's really fun to hang out with them. Going through Rainbow Express taught me that uh, I, I looked up to other people who had worked, been working in special needs, and I, uh, I thought of them and how, how capable they were to bond with the kids, and I wanted to work up to that. Rainbow Express really challenged me because I'd never worked with a kid with, kid with special needs before, but uh, after that, I really learned that it was really something that I love to do. Uh, my perspective has changed from working in the special needs ministry because I used to be sort of uncomfortable around people with special needs, but now that I'm more comfortable and uh, have done it a lot now, I really love it and it's so much fun for me. They can really just be someone fun and that they uh, don't need to be uh, cuddled or just sympathized, but that they just need a friend to be with.